0: So you're looking into possibilities for investing. You've saved up a decent amount of capital and now you're looking into your options. The stock market is always calling, but the real estate market never seems to cool down. You're not sure if you can handle the monthly expenses on your own, but if you could generate some income to draw down the monthly expenses, that would be ideal. The idea of property ownership is appealing and maybe renting it out is the way to go. You start to work out the numbers and it makes a lot of sense to generate some monthly cash flow but there has to be more to it than just financials, right? Ready to talk to a realtor and get your real estate journey started? You get yourself to our question for today. What do I need to know when I invest in a rental property?
1: Welcome everyone to another investments episode. This is your host, Guy and with you is my co-host, Joe Tax. And today we're going to be continuing our coverage of the different types of investments out there to help give you an idea of what's available, how things work, and other factors to consider when evaluating whether the investment fits into your investment plan.
0: So, if you haven't made an investment plan yet, or you're still trying to figure out if now is the right time to begin investing, which a lot of people definitely are, check out our earlier episodes to help you out. Now, today we'll be talking about residential rental properties to continue on with our coverage on residential real estate. So, for many of us, rental properties probably aren't the first thing that comes to mind, given most of us are still trying to buy a place for ourselves or still renting out in most cases. There are many ways one can have a rental property and we find that a lot of people don't realize how attainable this really is. So to narrow the scope down to what we believe an everyday investor would be more geared towards, we'll be focused strictly on residential rental properties in the episode today. So Gatano, let's get started up and let's start talking about it.
1: So first things first, we're going to hit you with a definition as always. So a residential rental property, it's a property that an investor purchases and then rents or leases out to tenants to live in. So think of as a basic example for students when they go away for school and they live in student dorms and residences around campuses, you know, in those different little homes and condos, you know, in Ottawa, there's Sandy Hill, there's a ton of properties there. Those are residential rental properties. Those are properties that are rented out to students, but essentially they're tenants who live in them. Now, residential rental properties are often more hands-on than other investment forms, meaning that you are more active in this investment choice than in some of the others we've discussed so far. And it's also a little bit riskier than some of the other real estate investments available to. But on the other side, it does provide the potential for greater returns, which stays in line with that risk versus reward theory we've been discussing throughout this show.
0: Now, residential rental property investing is part of the real estate asset class, which was something that Gaetano had detailed in one of our previous episodes. For those who are looking for a less risky and more passive income source within the real estate class, REITs may be a more appropriate investment choice for you. So check out our last episode on REITs if you haven't done so already. Now, specifically, this episode will be broken down as follows. Why should someone own a rental property? What are the pros and cons of a rental property? What are the types of rental properties available on the market, and who would benefit from using a rental property within their investment portfolio? So first things first, why would you own a rental property?
1: So the first reason is that it gives you exposure to real estate asset class, which is typically one of the strongest returning asset investments one can make, especially if you look at it historically. Another reason is that it gives you ownership of an increasingly scarce resource. It also does provide you with numerous investment and tax benefits, some of which we're going to detail in this episode. And then finally, depending on the market you invest in, rental properties have provided some of the largest returns over the past several decades. For example, look at the Toronto area. So these returns have easily beat the stock market returns and can really help you get ahead in your investment and retirement planning. I
0: think even in the Ottawa market, we've heated up a fair amount over the years.
1: Very true. So, Joe, let's start off then with some of the pros of a rental property. Now,
0: for investing purposes, rental operations can yield tremendous returns and benefits. Aside from just giving you ownership of a property and possibly a roof over your head if you choose to live in one of the rooms, there are many other reasons to own a rental property from an investment standpoint.
1: So, the first one is cash flow. When you have a rental property, you get paid a monthly rent from your tenant. And when you charge rent that exceeds the monthly costs, bills, and your mortgage payment, if that's applicable, you get to keep the excess cash, giving you what's called positive cash inflow. It's similar to interest payments you'd get from bonds or dividends from stocks where the cash comes into your bank account on a certain scheduled basis. Which would usually be monthly. Usually.
0: Another item to highlight is appreciation and value. So historically, over time, the price of land and buildings have increased for the majority of properties. This can result in you being able to sell the property in the future for more than you paid for it and would result in a capital gain.
1: Now, for those who lived in the property, you might be able to claim that property as your principal residence, which is one of Canada's best tax features. This would result in the investor being allowed to shelter a portion of that appreciation from tax consequences as long as they meet CRA's requirements. We recommend that you see our last tax episode, which was on the principal residence exemption, for more clarification on this, as it is a very amazing feature, but there is some requirements that need to be met for it, and it's best you understand things. This tax feature can make a tremendous impact in one's life and is a large reason why the baby boomer generation was able to keep and maintain so much of their wealth, as the principal residence is often increased significantly, but there were minimal to no tax consequences for them. From a
0: loan paydown standpoint, most individuals do not have enough money to outright buy a property meaning that they're not just handing over cash for a $400,000 home or even more. So they often take on loans or mortgages to purchase property. As we mentioned in our first point, you have monthly cash inflow where your tenant pays you rent that you use to cover the monthly expenses and mortgage payments owing to the party that lent you the money to buy the property in the first place. So someone else pays you the money to cover your mortgage you're having someone else pay off your loan, essentially. This frees up your personal money to invest elsewhere as the property is essentially being paid off by your tenant. And finally, tax benefits.
1: There are some significant benefits to owning real estate properties, rental properties, and this can help you reduce the tax burden you owe. But because it is tax benefits, we're going to have a separate episode dedicated to that where Joy can really go all out and really embrace his tax side of things. So we recommend that you check out our next tax episode coming out next week for more in-depth information on it.
0: Now let's use an example to highlight these four points that we just talked about. Let's say I buy a home for $400,000 and I make a down payment of 10% or $40,000. The bank provides me with a loan to cover the remaining $360,000 that I don't have the cash to put down today. Let's say I rent this property out and decide that it's going to be a rental property solely, and I rent it out for $1,000 a month for 12 months, making gross rent of $12,000 for the year. Let's say all the bills, expenses, and mortgage payment requirements came out to $11,000 for that year. Not too bad. Of that $11,000, the mortgage payments were $3,500 total, composed of $2,500 in interest and $1,000 in mortgage principal. Due to the increased demand for living space, the value of my home increased to $410,000. So I decide I want to sell it. What happens?
1: Well, cash flow wise, I got to keep $1,000 before any tax consideration. And that's because the rent I charged out covered all my costs and had an extra $1,000 left over. Now, appreciation wise, the value of my home increased by $10,000 since the time I bought it before any tax considerations. Now, loan paydown wise, my tenant paid my loan or the mortgage down $1,000. So I increased my ownership stake by $1,000 before I sold the property. This is tax-free money that I didn't have before because the mortgage or the loan was on paper, but my tenant paid it down for me, which increased my wealth. Now, what's important to note is that each property will have different numbers at play than what we just used in our example. Because again, this was an example. Every property in every part of the world, every area, It's going to have different factors that determine those numbers. And it's important that you analyze each property on a standalone basis. But of course, Joy knows he's going to say it. There's always some cons to an investment choice. So, Joy, what are the cons of a rental property? Of course, I'm
0: going to say it. The very first one that you're dealing with is the people aspect, which is that you can end up having difficult tenants. So unfortunately, not all tenants are gonna abide by the terms of the rental agreement or be the exact same when it comes to living in this property. Some may not make their payments on time, others may treat the property poorly and cause immense costly damages to the place, which you know, unfortunately it seems that a lot of students end up running into these sorts of issues. All these issues and actions impact your bottom line. And depending on where your rental property is located, you may face some hurdles in trying to evict the tenant be it legal or just some other form, or forcing them to pay the rent they owe and for the necessary repairs. All of this adds costs in terms of time, energy, and money to you, the investor.
1: Another con is the repairs and maintenance. Now, I think everyone knows that homeownership, it places the burden of upkeep on you. And that's the same thing for a rental property that you own. Be it the roof needs to be replaced, or like my girlfriend just went through, the AC needs to be replaced. Something that's always going to come up that needs repairs and replacement, and that financial burden falls on you to fix things. So, this can add a lot of financial strain to you if you don't have the emergency fund or the resources available to cover the cost. And it also hurts the bottom line on your investment property. She had to replace the AC unit? Yeah, she bought it and we had to replace it. Uh, Yikes. Yeah, just under four grand, I think, for everything tax. Yikes. (laughs) The
0: third con we're looking at is the lack of liquidity. So while the real estate market is a pretty hot market right now, real estate in general is not very liquid, meaning it is not easy to exchange the asset into cash or sell it pretty quickly. So if you're cash strapped and need emergency money very fast, selling real estate is usually not the ideal way to go. It can take time to sell and be sitting on the market for an extended period of time. And There are many costs associated with the eventual sale. It's often easier to sell other investments that trade on the markets such as stocks or ETFs because you can sell them immediately and get the fair market value less the commission cost usually that same day. So if you're going to buy real estate in general, make sure you have the cash reserves or emergency funds ready to meet any of your
1: short term needs. Essentially, you don't want to go house broke where you have wealth in the the form of a real estate, but you can't actually access, access the cash for it. Uh, And the final con, and this is something that I think surprises a lot of people, uh, and this is also based on conversations I've had with people who are in this, it's a lot of work. You essentially are running a business. Like it or not, it's a rental business. You have the property and you're trying to rent it out and make some money off it. That requires you to devote time, energy, and your cash resources towards it. So while you can stand to benefit from any gains or income you make, you're also exposing yourself to losses should they occur. You have to make decisions throughout the whole process from finding the property and buying it to renting it and repairing it and everything that goes into a business you have to do with this property. It means that's not a very passive source of income compared to other options. And unfortunately, this is a big shock to a lot of people and can often result in either the investment not being a great return for them or they just become miserable and want to get out. So it is a con. Just something you need to be aware of and keep in mind if you do pursue this. So we've gone through the
0: pros and cons. I think we're about ready to look at the types of rental properties that you can end up seeing on the market. So specifically for residential properties that are most common with everyday investors, the two main categories are single unit and multi-unit residential properties.
1: So single unit residential properties, it's essentially a property that is rented out as a single unit. It doesn't matter whether it's a home or a townhouse or a condo, if it's treated as one entity or one unit, meaning one tenant can stay in there, it's considered a single unit residential property. Now this differs from a multi-unit residential property. So these are typically properties that have two to six units that can each be rented out to a different tenant. For example, a duplex, that's a two unit property, a triplex, that's a three unit property. It goes all the way up to six. I just don't know what the other ones would be called. Probably a fourplex, fiveplex, sixplex. But that's how they differ. Probably quadplex. That would be a cool name. Quadplex. Flex the quads.
0: So for those investors who maybe can't afford such a rental property right now, or they're maybe still pursuing a place to live in themselves, there's the option of house hacking. This is where one rents out the primary residence to others while still living there to have the tenants help cover their living costs. For example, say I own a two-bedroom condo, what I could do is rent out one of the bedrooms and essentially have a roommate live with me. This would allow for me to cut my living costs in half because my roommate would pay half the utilities, half the mortgage, and half the condo fees and split whatever other mutual common area costs there are. This method of starting off in real estate investing has become increasingly more used by young adults as they look for more creative ways with their living arrangements to increase their wealth, and they're willing to share their primary residence with others to get ahead financially.
1: And this is something you can do with a property that you own or are looking to own. And maybe you're pursuing a multiplex, so maybe like a triplex or something. You could acquire a building that has multiple units where you would live in one of them, and then you'd rent out all of the others. And the collective rent you charge all those other units would cover all the costs of the property, including your own. This is another way you can house hack and essentially you're living in your place for free, which frees up all the cash you earn from your jobs that you can then invest elsewhere, be it stocks, bonds, or maybe spend on yourself, splurge a little. But being creative with these ideas, and and we both know that there's a lot more ideas out there, Joe. We know that the creativity never ends. There's a lot of options you can do to actually get into a rental property without having to do the old fashioned, you buy a separate property and leave it alone. Now,
0: when we're looking at who would actually benefit from having a rental property within their investment portfolio, the first thing that we look at is that residential rental property investing is generally seen as a long-term investing option. So for those of you who have time on your side, this could be a great investing option for you. Now, for those who have short and midterm savings goals, like say for individuals who are looking to save up to buy a property eventually, this may not be the investment for you as there are many costs associated with buying and then selling a property. And since real estate is not very liquid, there's no guarantee you'll be able to quickly get the money you want. As real estate prices fluctuate, you may see your value decrease from when you bought it, further reducing the money that you can eventually get back. So now, Gaetano, I know I'm not necessarily in a place that I'm going to be looking into buying real estate anytime soon, but I know it's something that we've discussed a couple of times and even on this podcast too, that is something that you're definitely looking into in the shorter term.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, absolutely. The first finance book I read when I was a kid, yeah, a big part of the book was on rental properties. And just looking at the numbers, it's like, my God, these are phenomenal numbers. And of course, there's, you know, there's going to be some cons to it. But overall, it's just an amazing investment choice that I've always wanted to get into. I just want to make sure I had all my ducks in a row or whatever. I'm saving up for that right now I want to make sure I had the rest of my financial situation solid kind of like a foundation before diving into this because there is some risk in real estate and uh, it's something I'm looking at right now I'm trying to devote some time to learning how to own and maintain a rental property how to identify and analyze them and hopefully get that down payment down ready in time for one uh, I don't have any direct experience with it I know my parents did have a property and a lot of the cons we mentioned today, they went through and it's, unfortunately, it, it's quite costly. So it's really important you have an emergency fund available to prevent or to protect yourself. But other than that, I don't have any direct experience yet. I'm still heavily in the REITs instead for the real estate class.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So before we get to our key takeaways, I think one thing we want to highlight just to be sure that everyone is aware of this is that while most people were reading Harry Potter, Gaetano is actually reading financial advice books to make sure that he could end up setting himself up for his own financial goals.
1: I've actually got the books right in front of me on uh, the shelf here. And the first one, and this is the one I read, I think it was a, uh, was in grade four or grade five, somewhere in that range. Yeah. It's called the automatic millionaire. Let me just grab it here. I've met, I'm sure I've mentioned this book in the past. So you'd be how old at that point? Uh, it's a good question. After to... You'd be like 10. Yeah. My, my dad was giving me these books when I was a kid. Uh, I've got two. I've got the two right here, actually. So yeah, when I was a kid, my dad was pushing these books on. He had a whole bookshelf full of them, and I I did read Harry Potter when I was a kid. Just to clarify, I read those up until grade four, actually. When I started reading these books, so the Automatic Millionaire, and it is by David Bach. I hope I said the name right. And also, I grabbed another one of his. It's called Start Late, Finish Rich. But the Automatic Millionaire. This was the book that actually got everything going. He covered everything we've pretty much covered in our episodes. And thanks to him and his, his book, it, it got me ahead big time. It changed my outlook and priority on life. And it's been a very big guiding force for me since then. So I'm not going to say go buy the book, but if you go to a library and you can grab it, it's called The Automatic Millionaire. And he's got, I'm sure, new books since then. And it's just phenomenal. And it covers all the areas that I think we've tried to and help explain things as we go. That's one of our key takeaways. (laughs) That's one of them. Uh, I think it's time for the other four we've got. So residential rental properties. It's a property that an investor purchases and then rents out or leases to other tenants to live in. And it allows for you to have someone else pay off a property that you own.
0: Rental properties provide an opportunity for you to gain monthly income, capital gains through value appreciation. And the coolest part, have someone else pay off your mortgage, like Gaitana just talked about.
1: Yeah. We really want to hit that point home twice, apparently. So there you go. Uh, our third point is that rental properties do have risks associated with them, and they can be quite costly and cash intensive. So it's very, very recommended to have a well supplied emergency fund available to you to ensure that you can weather any surprise costs or issues that arise. Because something will always happen to a property that you own. It's just a matter of when.
0: The final key takeaway is that there are many strategies investors can use with rental properties, from the size and type of property, to the way you rent it out, to the tax implications, all of which can allow for many different paths to rental investing and wealth development. Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to two random schmucks on the internet.
1: If you liked what you heard, go ahead and share today's episode with a friend. Our goal is to help our generation get up to speed on finance topics that weren't covered in school. So the more listeners we can reach, the better.
0: We've expanded our podcast portfolio to multiple platforms. So give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, BeyondPod, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts.
1: If you're ready to take the dive into getting fit educated with your finances, we're here to help you through your journey.
0: We hope you stay positive, test negative, and have yourself a great day.